Welcome back to another episode of Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. Today on the show, we have Misha, who's a holistic wellness advocate, entrepreneur, and business owner. Today, we're chatting about the mind-body connection, emotional eating, and how the food you're putting in your body may affect your health. I am super excited about this chat, so let's get started. Misha, what is up? Welcome to Lexi's Lounge. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. What are you drinking today? Um, today I am drinking some water. I need to hydrate. I'm really bad sometimes about my water intake. So, cause I can binge out on my cold pressed juices all the time. So I always have to make sure I get in all my water. Ooh, I cannot wait to hear more about that. I'm drinking a protein shake that actually is like a coffee one. It's really good. I was, I was shocked because protein shakes are usually disgusting to me. So I'm like, I'll drink this. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I normally will only put my protein in like a smoothie or something I make. I just, me personally cannot just drink straight up protein shakes, but I know people who can, so more power to you. Yes. So I'm really excited for the conversation that we're going to have today because it's something that I think a lot of people don't realize is important yet, or they do, and that's because they've gone through something in their life that they're like, holy smokes, this is super important. I don't know why it's not more talked about, but I think in modern medicine, it may seem a little woo-woo, right? Right. And I mean, we could, I guess we could get into the pharmaceutical aspect of it about natural healing and how that's, that doesn't really work for the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. So we are talking about the mind gut connection and how food can actually be a healer. So I want to drop the perspective right now. When I first started getting interested in this, It was because my husband had ulcerative colitis. We got back from our honeymoon and day three into our honeymoon after we got married like five days ago, he came back and they thought it was traveler's diarrhea. They pumped him full of antibiotics and his internal lining, all the good bacteria and the bad bacteria out of his gut were wiped out. Got C. diff in the hospital. They could not figure out what was wrong with him. He battled it for so long after obviously finding out it was ulcerative colitis and then he got his colon removed. And ever since then, I've that moment I was like holy shit, your gut health is so important. And so I started doing more research on it and come to find out that 95% of your serotonin, which is like the happy chemical that our bodies naturally produce, is made in your gut. Yeah. And if your gut microbiome is off, no wonder people have anxiety and depression and they don't even realize it. They're like, nothing's going on in my life, but I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling depressed. So can you speak more about how powerful the gut is from your perspective, from what you've learned? No, I, I definitely agree with everything you're saying. And just like even a little side note, like the pharmaceutical industry is not about healing people. They're about making um, customers for lifetime. So that's how they operate. So they're not in the game of healing. And so I can't tell you how many people I personally know that have gut issues. And truthfully, I didn't have gut issues. Um, I had anxiety. So actually, and I do have anxiety on and off, but and it always comes down to the foods I'm consuming. When I was first diagnosed with truthfully crippling anxiety, um, this was like seven, eight years ago. 
Um, I actually truly thought I was a heart attack. And I know that people who have anxiety very much can relate to that because anxiety actually mimics um, heart attack symptoms. So it's very common for people to say, oh, I rushed to the emergency room because I legit thought I was like having a heart attack. And so that was actually the first step for me. And then, of course, you know, when I was actually diagnosed, they prescribed me some medication. And what's odd is that when I first got diagnosed with anxiety, I now was also a hypochondriac. So I was absolutely petrified of, and it kind of works for what I do in my life anyways. I'm very health conscious and I'm very natural healing. Um, But I was absolutely petrified of pills and any type, anything basically doing with pharmaceutical. I'm very like, I don't like to say anti, I'm very pro-health. So um, I like, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not taking this medication. I said it had a side effect potentially of seizures. And I'm like, well, that sounds a little bit more terrifying than anxiety. So I think I'll just take my anxiety and figure this out on my own. And so from that space, I stopped. um, I used to smoke weed. um, I used to um, drink. I cut out all of those things. I um, uh, I used to love coffee. I cut out caffeine. And then at that time, I really started focusing kind of more so on a vegetarian, vegan diet around that time. And I just focused on actually working out. Um, I was very consistent with working out and then just trying to eat the best that I could, which was actually very challenging for me because I don't come from a health conscious family. I come from like, if you were to go to my mom's house, her house, I always tell people it's like a teenager's dream. It's full of all kinds of processed junk food. So that's how I was raised. And but when I started just eating even better, even now, like when I look back on them, like that eating was not healthy compared to like what I call health now, but it was still better. And from that point on, um, I haven't had an anxiety attack. And like I said, it's been nearly seven years, not saying I don't have moments of anxiety, but it's easier for me to identify, okay, this is anxiety. Uh, what am I doing? Chances are I'm more likely overthinking or, you know, playing the future tripping game. So then that's when I normally get out of my head and get into my body and really focus on, okay, I don't drink caffeine at all now. So that's one thing I absolutely keep out of my diet. I do not consume caffeine at all. Um, Wait, but it how, shows you. how do you function? Just wondering. <laughs> I mean, I drink coffee. I just don't have the caffeine part of it, but it, honestly, caffeine, um, it really, it, it spikes my anxiety. So it's not one of those things that I can, um, enjoy comfortably where like if I get a drink and it, I immediately know if there's caffeine in it or not, because I start getting like, um, freaked out, like in my body, like I can just start having like, Oh, like I, I get into a very paranoid state. So, um, it's definitely not pleasant for me. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to have this. Um, but don't get me wrong. Coffee is still always a comfort drink for me. I'm in the morning time. I like to have my cup of coffee, but it was never really that hard for me to like cut out caffeine. Like I never went through like a caffeine withdrawal. And, you know, for me, it's one of those things when you kind of like, you know, that the outcome that you want is greater than like losing something. It's not really hard to like, let go of something. So that's never been a challenge part for me on my end. Yeah. That's, I think that could be a testament to a lot of things that we have to cut out in life. Like if you are like, okay, I really want to start eating healthy now. 
you have to be in the right mental space to be like, it's not worth it anymore. It's not worth the anxiety. It's not worth me waking up feeling like crap about myself. It's not worth me being insecure naked in front of the mirror. You know, there's so many different Mm -hmm. mental processes you have to go through when you're in those, those huge shifts in your life, when you're actually taking your health back into your hands. Exactly. It, It really does make a big difference. So you know, and, and it really is an easy choice. It's not something that you feel like you're giving up because you know what you're gaining. And that's why it's really important to kind of understand, you know, how your body really does function. And even with like, you know, certain foods, like for people who do actually struggle with anxiety, you know, we wouldn't be your ideal candidates to do necessarily like intermediate fasting, like some people like to do. They, they, and I not saying intermediate fasting is bad because it is good. But chances, people who struggle with anxiety actually tend to be insulin resistant. So when you're insulin resistant, that's when you're kind of on that roller coaster with um, food where chances are you might not eat breakfast right away. I'm very guilty of that. But what happens is it starts, um, you'll spike and you'll hit these that hangry phase and then you're crashing and your, your mood is very unbalanced. And so when all of that stuff happens, it's because you're not eating to support your mental health at all. So it's actually really important for people who do struggle with like, for me, anxiety, or if it's depression or whatever, really focusing on making sure that you're eating foods that are um, protein and um, you get high protein, high fats and stuff like that. It's extremely important, especially first thing in the morning, because most, and once you get your insulin balance, then you could actually kind of incorporate more of that intermediate fasting. But when you're struggling, you need to like really focus on eating smaller meals pretty frequently to balance yourself out. So then you're not crashing. And then it really does help your mental health. Wow. So does every, would you say that everybody who has anxiety or depression most likely has an insulin resistance or could they get that tested somehow? Yeah, you can definitely get it tested, but you can, if you even spend a day being aware of how you feel throughout the day, like especially around mealtime, um, that is a really big way to kind of identify if you do have this. And the truth is, is that a good like majority of people do have this issue. Um, unfortunately we're not all like Dr. Axes and stuff like that, that really just get our health and like, you know, we're on it. So, um, it does take that time to get there, but for people who do struggle, it's very obvious. Like you'll notice, are you waiting too long to eat? So normally you hit that hangry phase or you're getting irritable or you're more testy. Um, and then by that point, chances are you're probably going to impulsively eat something that you probably wouldn't eat, like those comfort foods. So normally high carbs, sugary treats and stuff. And the next thing you know, you're going to crash and you're going to normally feel sluggish and everything afterwards because you're eating foods that are not actually supporting your gut. It's not supporting your mind. And that is like the very big issue. I can't remember who I was listening to, but basically, um, she was talking about, it looks like this, your fats are the slowest digesting in our body. So therefore it gives you the energy for the longest periods of time. Proteins are the second slower to digest. So again, it takes lower. People think it's carbs. People think that I need to have carbs to fuel my body throughout the day. Carbs burn very, very quickly. So you're going to like, again, crash very fast. So it's, it's much better for you to start with healthy fats, healthy proteins, 
together and you're going to have energy for longer periods of time. And then you're not going to have so much of those dips in your um, emotions and stuff like that. That's a really interesting point because I did keto for five days. Okay. I lost, I think five pounds. I think I did it for a week and I lost five pounds, but the biggest takeaway that I had from it, because I, I don't think that keto, let me just preface with this. I don't think that keto is a (laughs) lifelong diet. I don't think it's something that people should create a lifestyle around. I think it's a good short, quick fix. If you want to reset your relationship with food. But when I did keto, I noticed the biggest takeaway that I had was my relationship with food completely changed. So I had to really sit there and think, okay, am I hungry or am I bored? Or I had to sit there and listen to my body and be like, okay, so what, what am I craving right now? Is it salty? Is it sweet? Is it savory? I had to actually sit there with myself consciously and be like, what do, what is my body asking me for right now? And because I've actually sat there and taken care of her, my body, I've lost the weight in return. And, you know, I just had a baby in May. So it's, it's so interesting to me because people come up to me now and they're like, what are you doing? How do you lose the weight? And da, da, da. And I'm like, I literally listen to my body. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's the point I'm at right now. And if we all did that, that would be so powerful because your body will always tell you what it needs. And so often we are living in autopilot in our lives and we don't even realize that we're just bored and snacking is something to keep our mind busy. Right. Yeah. And it does happen all the time. And it's really so important for us to be mindful and consciously living because oftentimes we are on autopilot. And when we are on autopilot, we're not, we're, again, we're just doing what we always know. We're not really changing. We're not evolving. And of course, we're just going to keep eating the same things because that's all we know. And it really does like affect us. And, you know, I think I really focus on mindful eating. And when you focus on mindful eating, it really does help you really bring it to focus of, okay, I'm eating to fuel my body. And then you're more likely to eat foods that are going to truly energize your body to make your body feel good. Then you're going to eat foods that are, you're going to feel guilty and shame about. And it's really important to like, know, like, okay, the more mindful I am, the more present I am the more focused I will be when it comes to making decisions on what to eat in my body. And it it makes such a huge, huge difference. I'm telling you, I I actually do a mindful journal um, around food and it really does help me just change that whole dynamic with my relationship with food. And I don't get, I notice I don't impulsively eat as frequently because if you're an emotional eater, like I can be, you know, it's very easy to act on impulse. Let's talk about emotional eating really quick, because that's something that I personally have struggled with in the past is using food as it's an addiction. So I I don't think a lot of people realize, well, maybe people are starting to wake up to this, but there is so many people who use food as a numbing or a coping mechanism. And, you know, they think because, well, I'm not on drugs or I'm not drinking. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not doing these self-sabotaging things. Like what's food going to harm? Or they don't even realize that food is their crutch. It's so interesting to me because it's, it's kind of a thing that runs in my family that food has been a, the coping mechanism, but 
it's insane to me that relationships with food isn't something that's put on the forefront. I know we hear about the obesity in America and everything like that, but I feel like it's still really taboo. Okay, so it's really crazy that we're even going down this street right now because I'm actually writing a book on emotional eating. Like this is like something that I am just... I have finally just came to myself. I'm like, dude, all you do is talk about food all day long. Like we need to like get this in a book because so many people can connect and relate. And this is what I say about emotional eating is emotional eating is food is a drug and it's just as bad as heroin. It's just as bad as all these other different addictions you can have. And people do completely overlook it because they think of it as, oh, well, you have to eat. Yeah, you have to eat, but you don't have to eat crap. <laughs> so like, you, I mean, you have that choice. But the thing is, we eat to we're. this is how I look at it. We're eating to fill something up that is not actually about the food. It's never about the food. We think it's about the food, but it's never really about the food. Where are you starving in other areas of your life? Like that's essentially like what emotional eating is is you're starving in other areas of your life. So you're filling it up with something that you have control over, which is food. And so that's when we normally go to those comfort foods, pastas, cakes, sugars, lattes, all these different things that we go to because we're trying to fill up the voids in our other areas of our life that we're not ready to address. And that's why we're like, that's why we go to the food. So I thought when I talked to my husband about this, I'm like, Cause he, he doesn't get emotional eating cause he's not an emotional eater. So he has like zero connection, which go figure. Like he could, you could put him on a diet and it would be like, okay, cool, whatever. I'll just do this. Cause there's no emotional connection. So when I try to explain this to him, he was like, what you, you're, you really mean it's not about food. I'm like, no, it's never been about the food because once you heal those parts in your life, your food changes too, because now you're starting to eat to support that change in your life. And it's like, second nature for you. You're like, of course I want to eat the salad because I'm in such a better space right now that I want to eat the better option. I don't want to go to the McDonald's because I'm no longer in that bad place, but we absolutely use food like a drug. And it's also killing us like a drug. It might not, we might not overdose like you would a heroin person who overdoses and dies, but you do at some point, it does catch up to you at some point. I mean, there's a whole show, 600 pound life, like these people at some point or another, they're going to die from their emotional eating addiction. Like that's what's going to happen unless they make the changes. And, but you know what? And I think the reason why it's not talked about as much is because we're thinking, well, I'm not that 600 pound life person like the show. So then I must really not be that bad. But if you wake up and you're thinking about food, like your next meal, if you're eating breakfast, but you're already thinking about lunch, yeah, there's a problem. Or if you're out and you're, you know, you're overthinking and you're getting super emotional and you're, you don't know how to deal with your emotions. So you're like, well, let me pull in a Chick-fil-A real quick. Like, you know, let me just get this. Like, yeah, you're emotional eating. Like there, we can, I can go on about emotional eating for like days, (laughs) truthfully. You've dropped so many bombs just in what you just said. Like, mind blown. Food is a controlled substance. There's so many fast food chains on every corner. There's a McDonald's, literally every freaking exit of the freeway. It seems like there's a Chick-fil-A. I love them, but 
There's a Chick-fil-A <laughs> popping up yeah. everywhere around where I live now. There's fast food everywhere, but there's no really healthy option. Sidebar, when people, when they think the government has their best interest in mind, I'm like, well, then why is there fast food all down here? Like, yeah. why isn't our health, why isn't our health on Front Street, you know? Because it's never been about health. It's always been about money. And that's the problem is like, yeah, there's going to continue to be all these things. I mean, you look at Whole Foods, Whole Foods, I don't consider to be a health store. People call it a health store, but it has completely drastically changed since um, it first launched. They used to be all about health. Like they were the leaders. I would not call Whole Foods the leaders anymore. They're putting canola oil in their salad dressings at their salad bars. Canola oil is one of the worst oils you can absolutely consume for your health. (laughs) And it's like, okay, so if you're supposed to be the leaders, why aren't you leading? And that's actually, so, you know, we, we want our leaders to guide us into the right direction, but you have to get off of that because they're never going to lead you to the right direction. They're never going to lead you to feeling good. They're never going to lead you to what joy and happiness is. Um, they're trying to make us all so busy that we have no other option, but to go get the bad foods that are also going to affect our brains and how we function. So they're, they're essentially creating a system where we're dependent upon them. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not trying to be, I can be a conspiracy theorist as we know, but I try to also, I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole at this moment, but it really is a matter of, we have to take our health into our hands. We are responsible for our health Mm -hmm. and really take our food back home, make it back where we're making our meals, where you know, all the different ingredients going in your food, you know, the quality if you eat meat and stuff that you're consuming, you know, where it's coming from, you know, who's taking care of it. The more power you give yourself, then the more empowered you're going to be when it comes to your health. And when it comes to your mind, your body, your gut, all these different things, we have to give ourselves the power back and we got to get it out of the hands of the government and these big corporations and stuff like that, because unfortunately they just do not have our best interests when it comes to our well-being. Yeah. And the fact that they profit off of our illness, that's, that's a whole nother thing. But I want to touch on the fact that our relationship with food is one of the most important relationships we can have because it ties into our relationship with ourselves. I noticed when I am mentally in my best space, I'm like, uh, no, chocolate's not worth it. Ice cream's not worth it. You know, I'm like, I'm a sweet tooth chick, but I'm like, you know, I'd rather have a salad or now I am in a good place right now. Now, one of my favorite things that I would eat every time I go to a restaurant is a hamburger. I (laughs) literally cannot even eat it because I'm like, I don't want the bun. I just don't want, you know, and it's, I think another aspect, I think there's an umbrella that meets at the top. There's your habits around food and then there's your coping mechanisms. We've already talked about the coping mechanisms, but I think also after you heal from whatever traumas you've had that food is filling whatever void for, I think then it really becomes habit. Because when you first start going to eat healthy, right, whether that be I'm going to incorporate more salads, I'm going to cook at home, I'm going to stop stopping by stop food stop foods, fast foods. It's, it's hard, right? Because you're so used to just having it handed to you in a bag out a little window. But when you get into the habit of shifting your mindset and thinking, how can I make this healthy? What can I eat? That's healthy. You're going to find it. If you're looking for it, you're going to find it. But if you're like, well, I have nothing here. I'm just going to go stop by Chick-fil-A. Then of course you're going to, 
stay in this toxic cycle. And I love what you said about your health being your responsibility, because I think we've seen that a lot in the past year and a half is, you know, everybody thinks everybody's health is someone else's responsibility, but we have to start taking self-accountability for what we are putting into our bodies, what we're eating, what we're consuming visually, how much Mm -hmm. we're scrolling, if we're actually exercising or if we're meditating or filling our mind, body, spirit, soul with things that are actually good for us. Because if we're not, then of course, if you're already in that shame cycle where you're like, I don't feel good about myself, of course, you're habitually going to go to fast food and just eat a ton of junk, stuff that's not good for you because you're already in that space. Yeah. And no, it's very much the truth. And I really love what you said, like, you know, even what you're consuming, not even just actual food, but what you're seeing, if it's on TikTok, Instagram, wherever, wherever you're getting something like that's, I mean, I've had to do that. Um, I really can get down the rabbit holes of, you know, I don't know if you know who Alex Jones is and stuff like this, but I really can follow down some of these um, rabbit holes with, especially with this COVID stuff. And it's very easy for me to get into a paranoid state because I am very pro health and I'm very pro choice of things. And so it can be very scary time because like you said, right now, we're kind of living in a time where it seems like everyone is responsible for everyone else. And that just does not work. Like in no way, shape or form does that work. And so it's really important that I have to take breaks from certain things where I'm like, okay, I'm not allowed to consume this stuff anymore. I'm only allowed to take in the stuff that's going to fill me up or if right now, like the big word in my mind is abundance, like focusing on the things I want to be an abundant in. And abundance doesn't necessarily always mean the good stuff. You can be abundant in bad things. You can be abundant in toxic traits, um, you know, toxic news, all these different things. So you have to be really mindful about what is it that you're consuming in all areas of your life and be very, the more we're focused on that, then the more we're going to really make sure that whatever we're giving our body is going to be good. And it's going to fill us up. It's going to make us feel like, okay, we can, um, we can do anything we can take on the world. Cause that feels really good. When you feel empowered, nobody can stop you when you're in an empowered state. But the only way to get there is to make sure you're doing action steps that support that. And it really does. Like you said, it comes down to habits. You know, if you're really trying to be mindful of what you're consuming, make sure your home is a sanctuary. Like don't let your home be a place where you have things that are going to help you like relapse on your bad ways. Like, you know, make sure your home is like supporting the changes you're trying to make. Amen. That's really hard because my husband's the kind of person who can like eat literally anything he wants and never gain an ounce. I'm rolling. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the typical thing, but you're so right. And it's just, it's this conversation just needs to be had. And I think just in general, mindfulness is something that we need to start really paying attention to. Like we need to be mindful of mindfulness because it affects every single area of your life with your consumption of media, news, food, how you feel when you're around people, you know, like how, yeah. how often do we betray ourselves when we're around people that don't make us feel good. Right. But we're like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of a people pleaser. Right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And then, you know, you go back and cope with food if that's your coping mechanism, or you go have a drink right before you go meet somebody who makes you feel anxious. You know, it's recognizing those things. And once I always say awareness is key, you have to have the awareness first. You have to bring that awareness into your mind. Like, Oh shit, 
that's how I feel. And then from there, that's when you can start taking those steps to change. But if you're living on that autopilot, then you're never going to change unless you develop that awareness around it. I do have a question for you as we were talking about, you know, the mind, because this all really does tie into the mind gut connection because everything's connected, right? Everything. Yeah, it really is. So how can somebody tell if the microbiome, which is the good, bad bacteria in their gut is off? I mean, definitely one of the biggest things is how do you feel? Like, do you feel sluggish or do you feel energized? Do you feel after you eat a meal, do you feel like you need to go take a nap or do you like, Hey, I could go like for a run right now. Like, I mean, how you feel is one of your biggest indicators. Also, how often do you go to the bathroom? That's another really good one. Like, are you passing bowel movements um, daily? Cause you're supposed to be passing one or two daily. So if you're not, okay. You know, you can um, definitely tell right there. Like if you're constipated, you know, I, I find this very interesting. Now, this is kind of me just going a little bit off on a tangent, but, you know, I really think that when you're constipated, what are you holding on to? You know, so that kind of goes into the mindset of what, what are you holding on to that you can't let go? Because sometimes when you're constipated, it's because you're holding on to something so tightly that your body physically can't even move it. And, and it can also go in the other direction. Like if you have like diarrhea, you know, you could be doing the most like too much, like you're overworking yourself, like you're in, or you're so stressed that your body just has to exit something out. So again, that gut mind connection, it's almost creepy, like how like in tune they really are and how much it has to do with like even the slightest things, because you can be eating everything right. But if you're holding on to something mentally, your body will also do the same thing. Ooh, the emotional aspect of it. That is so intriguing to me. Just about how your body holds emotions. Like right now I'm reading a book called How the Body Keeps Score by Bessel van Del Kolk or something. I think that's his name. I'll link it in the (laughs) show notes. But something that he said in the book that really was profound to me and kind of just changed my perspective in general about emotions is, to paraphrase, he said, if you do not let yourself feel your emotions, you're going to store them in your body. So for example, with my husband's ulcerative colitis and how his body was literally rejecting his colon, I seriously think that there was a strong tie to emotions when that was going on. Like we were in such a stressful part of our life at that point. We had just sold our house. We had family problems. We were getting married Um, we just, everything with the wedding, like there was so much going on right there. I think it showed up at that part, at that point in his life, you know, when that stress really ignited it. And then when we went to the Dominican Republic, which is, I mean, it's dirty compared to the United States, right? It's beautiful. Right. Yeah. It just completely ignited that fire in there. And then there was nothing turning him back from there. So it's so important to freaking feel your emotions because if not, you're going to store them in your body. And what you were saying about your bowel movements and your emotions, it's like, I never even thought about it like that. Yeah. And it, it is, it's really crazy because I know like I am the one who, and this definitely has to do with like how my brain operates on anxiety, but like I have a very hard time letting go of things because I just keep it in like a spiral. Like it's just, I keep thinking it over. It's just on a loop in my head until I literally let go 
And once I let go, then things just start flowing and flowing and flowing. And the more mind flying I'm in, like the less I'm in my head, then the more my body just also operates a thousand times better. But if I get stuck in something and, and that's always been how I am, I get stuck in certain things. And until I learn how to get unstuck, my body will reflect that it will show I'm, I'm constipated, I'm not going to the bathroom. So it doesn't matter how much coffee, how much green juice I drink or anything like no matter what I put into this body, it will not move until my emotions move. So it really is. It's really crazy to me. So how do you release those emotions, aka your bowel? Yeah. Um, so, cause I kind of just went through this recently and again, it really comes back to just being super mindful, like truly focusing on the things you want to focus on. Like, you know, really like right now I do every day, what I call the abundance challenge. And my goal is every day, how can I find things to be that I'm abundant in? So, you know, especially if you feel like you ever struggle financially, which I feel like right now finances are a really big topic because it's a very uncertain time for your money financially. So the best way to get into a state of abundance is to practice abundance in your life. And that doesn't mean you're looking for all the money in your life, but you're looking for all the things that make you feel abundant. If it's your family, your pets, um, you know, someone paid for your coffee at Starbucks, like whatever. I don't care how tiny it is. You found a penny on the ground. Like I write it down on an abundant list. And so my goal is every day, how can I find more things to be abundant in? So that puts my mind on like, okay, you have a goal. So your goal is to find all these things. And while I'm focusing on good things, I'm letting go of bad things because my focus is no longer on controlling the things I have no control over. And that really does help me get my body back in track and feeling the best that it can feel. You know, I think what you just said really sparked something in me about control, about letting, releasing the need to control things we have absolutely no control over. Because I know you follow the holistic psychologist and anybody who's followed me for any amount of time knows that I'm obsessed with her. But she was detrimental, instrumental. She was amazing in my healing when I was going through Mm -hmm. like one of the hardest years of my life. But one of the biggest things that I've learned that completely changed my life is that the only person that you can control is yourself. So when people are like, well, you need to do this. Well, you need to do that. Well, get this, get that, do that. You can't do this, can't do that. I'm like, who are you to say that somebody else can't do that? You know, like, why don't you, instead of, externally focusing on what other people are doing, go internally and make yourself better and start demonstrating that change that you want to see in the world. So that's really where my mantra that I repeat all the time is be the change you want to see is because that's the only way that you can actually change the world is by embodying that person that you want to be and that you want to see other people be. You cannot force, control, coerce people to be something that they're not. You can't tell people to ignore their gut feeling and their intuition because it doesn't align with you because we're all such different human beings. We came from so many different places. We had different upbringings, different traumas, different childhoods, different socioeconomic statuses. There's so many different parts of us that make us who we are. So for you to tell me or me to tell you that, you know, I think this is the right way because I'm doing it. Like it's, 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 it's absurd, isn't it? Yeah. And 
even a to add to that, I would say be unapologetically yourself. Like, um, you know, the last few months I have actually been very kind of low key on social media because I took, honestly, I just took a time to be by myself and just focus on my own well being and like, because I realized I was operating in a space of doing what do I need to do for others? Like, how can I, again, people please, what can I do? What do people want to hear instead of like, what do I want to share, you know? And when we operate from a people pleasing state, you know, it's, it's going to crash and burn at some point or another, but it's like, you have to take time and learn to truly like yourself for who you are. Like I used to get so frustrated at myself because I am a, like, I'm a straight shooter. I'm gonna tell you how I feel. Like, I, I don't really care. Well, I'm not gonna say I don't care. I do care. I used to care too much about, well, I don't want to say that because then they're not gonna like me or they're gonna unfollow me. And then I'm not gonna have the support. And then I just finally had to get to a place where I'm like, if you don't freaking like me, or you unfollow me, like you're doing me a service because I'm no longer trying to please you anymore. And I had to like really, t- I literally took months <laughs> off from online business from all of that stuff because I was, I was in the wrong state of mind. I had to get myself right. And I, I couldn't even tell you when I play, I mean, I do plan on coming back very soon because my creative juices are definitely very much flowing, but I'm like, I really wanted to make sure I took that time to be learn to be unapologetic because if we are constantly trying to people, please, you know, we're just, we're setting ourselves up for success or failure, because again, that goes even back to how you feel inside then you're going to keep doing things that are going to make you feel bad, eating things that are going to make you feel bad. And it's just a, a, a toxic cycle. Amen. That is, that's so good. And that's, that's so much wisdom right there because I feel like there's a lot of people who people please and they, they think it's just being nice, you know, but with yeah. cancel culture, the way it is right now and how people are like, if you say the wrong thing, then I'm going to come take your sponsors and your job and whatever. Like it is scary. But at the end of the day, if, if it's something that's coming from inside you, it's something intuitively guiding you and you just feel it deep in your spirit that this is the right thing to do, or this is your opinion. And you stand firm in those beliefs and convictions, then nobody can take that from you. Nobody. Yeah. And that's your integrity. Yes. And you got to have that. Amen. And the people, this is like another thing about cancel culture that I wasn't even planning on getting, but when people, when they cave in to the pressure of apologizing for something that they're not even sorry for, I mean, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So if you say it and you put it out there and you actually mean it and you're firm by it, first of all, you shouldn't say anything that you don't stand firm by. But second of all, there is a learning curve. I should say that. That's a caveat. Like there's, there's some things you could say that you just didn't even realize, you know, whatever. But when you just cave in, when it's something that you're firmly convicted in, that's your integrity. Here's one of the things that I kind of look at it. When you have a brand, so for me personally, and I'll just speak for myself, I have learned to just stay on brand. (laughs) Like that's the best thing that I feel like I can do right now, because let me freaking tell you, oh, I'd be, my freaking account would be shadow banned, cancel, cut off everything. If I really started going on the rants that I really want to go on. And I just realized like, find those people that you can talk with, that you can let that stuff out because, and you know, sometimes it's just better to just 
keep it off of your certain brand things. I think if we kind of did that a little bit more, maybe we would just also like, we was, we would still feel like we're getting it out of ourselves. So we're not keeping it built up like that frustration, but then we don't have to necessarily deal with like the backlash of what could happen. Like again, with the cancel culture and everything. But, and I think that's where we start getting into these bickering fighting is because I'll be honest, like one of the things like I see is that, you know, there's certain um, celebrities that I like normally um, actors and actresses and, Sometimes, and I will be the first one to tell you some of the things that I've heard some of them say recently, I can tell you right now, it's a complete turn off for me. And I don't want to, I don't, I'm dismissed. Like, I don't even want to hear what they have to say anymore. Certainly because it was an attack on maybe one of my personal beliefs or something like that. So it can cause that separation. So I get it. Like now, most of the time I have a good friend who she is my buddy where I call her my conspiracy buddy. So me and her, we just, rift back and forth like you see this oh, what? so we just let it out like we're each other's outlets for it and i try to kind of scale it back from my social media so much only for the fact like especially on tiktok i can get in some battles with people on tiktok because it's so that's why i'm like you know what is it worth my energy is it worth my energy to battle to fight to argue to separate because truthfully i want to bring people together and so I think there's enough negativity going around in the world that I feel I don't need to contribute to it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a fine, thin line because you want to stand firm in what you believe, but you also want to, you know, not screw up your freaking business where you get completely canceled and then you have nothing that you can profit off of or anything like that. So it is like a thin, a, a very fine, thin line. Um, but, and I always just say, find your people, find your tribe, like who can you connect with? Because, you know, we're not all going to agree on everything. That's for sure. And, but I feel like if we can learn to just accept each other and our differences and say, Hey, you know what? Screw it. I believe whatever you want to believe. I'm going to believe whatever I want to believe because we can find equally find things to support both of our stances. So it's like a matter of just, you have to learn to pick and choose your battles and me personally, I'm like picking peace over everything at this moment, because again, it affects how we operate in general, because when I get into these battles with people, or if I get challenged, or I get triggered, you know, it's triggering everything, not just like how I like that person, but like how I operate, how I feel now I'm mad. Now I'm irritable. Now I freaking want to like burn down the whole world. Like, you know, so Mm -hmm. you have to really like, it goes back to being mindful, like asking yourself, is it really worth it? Is it really freaking worth it? And half the time I can bet you any amount of money. It's not. Yes. Because the bottom line is people, everybody thinks they're right. 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 And I've, something I've learned is being right is subjective, subjective Mm -hmm. to everything I mentioned earlier about how you were raised and the lens you see the world through. And so that's why I started asking questions. You know, instead of being like, you know, this is da 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 blah blah blah. This is my opinion, and if you disagree, you're a bigot, racist, you're wrong. It's like, yeah, oh okay. So did this happen? Um, What do you think about this, or what do you think about that? And do these two things correlate? And you know, that kind of thing. Because the most power you're ever going to have is when you seek to understand someone else's opinion. You don't have to agree with it, but you can understand it. And that's another thing that I advocate for a ton is understanding people, like actively trying to understand them without agreeing. I mean, if you do agree and your perspective changes, that's great. But 
you shouldn't go into conversations and be like, I'm going to try to change your opinion, your perspective, this and that and the other thing, because people don't want to hear it because they think they're right. You know, so the best thing you can do is plant seeds and ask questions and make them start thinking for themselves, because a lot of people don't think for themselves anymore. And to even kind of add to that, because it just brought up something that I struggled with recently. I had a spiritual teacher who followed for years, who I absolutely loved. I can clearly tell that we think very differently on certain issues in the world, which, but instead of allowing myself to say, I, I'm no longer going to support this person, which I won't say that I didn't go through that way of thinking at one point in time, I actually said, well, what can I learn from this? Um, what can I, um, where can I find acceptance here? You know, I, I think if we can also learn to accept that people are going to think differently than you. Um, and of course, as long as they're not actually being extremely crude and like offensive. Um, but if you can learn to say, Hey, they have a completely different opinion than me, but if I'm learning, especially when it comes to spirituality, you know, if I'm learning acceptance and, you know, to love everyone and realize that we're all mirrors of each other, then that means that whatever in them that I'm not liking is actually just a reflection of something I'm not liking within myself. So let me go do some searching on that. But um, can I learn to love? Like, where can I learn to extend more unconditional love? And if we can learn to look at more things in the lens of love, then we're really gonna, you know, see a drastic change. And that's why I really love humor. Because comedy it's such a great way of bringing people together in football. I've noticed like I went to, um, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan and I had went to a game and let me tell you, I was just mind blown by the amount of different people, like from all walks of life who came for one thing, one goal, you know, to support the freaking Browns. And I look at that. I'm like, look at this. See, we can all come together from all different walks of life and, you know, connect and get along and have fun. So looking for more of those things that bring us together and let's focus less on the things that separate us. Oof, that's a profound perspective and um, go Hawks. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've learned that no matter what the topic is, no matter what the situation, you can always find something to agree on. You can always find right. a middle ground, whether that be agreeing to disagree or not. Honestly, I think this conversation has been jam-packed with so many profound pieces of knowledge and wisdom and just seeds to s plant and maybe even things to sit on, you know, because there, there's, yeah. I think we've covered a lot of things and some of them may be hot button topics. And you know what, if you don't agree with them, they're not for you. But if your mind's open and you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it like that, then it's for you, right? These topics are going to land with who they're supposed to land with, when they're supposed to land with them. And if you're like, you know what, I don't, I don't like that. I don't agree with it. Da, da, da. It wasn't for you. And take what you like, like you don't have to like it all. Amen. And I think if we can stop being an all or nothing person, you know, like yes. take what you do like from that person. Maybe you don't like everything. Maybe you don't like all their views and how they say things and how they operate. But if you did like one thing that maybe they said, then hold on to that as a connection because that's still that's bringing you together and versus separating you. Stop looking for something to disconnect from another person from just find what you like and stick with that. It doesn't have to be at everything. Yes. We are all just humans trying to do our best. So Misha, thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show. Where can people find you? 
Um, right now you can find me on Instagram at ask Misha, which is, um, M E I S H A A on Instagram. That is where I'm at. And like I said, I had, did take me a nice little break from social media. So I will be coming back on there to start talking a lot about the emotional eating side and just health in general. Cause that's my jam. So that's what you can expect from me coming soon. Ooh, I am so excited to follow along in this journey. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be sharing a lot of things from you because this is something that really interests me. And that's why we're sitting down and having this conversation, right? Something that people yes. need to talk about more. And the fact that you are being a trailblazer and spearheading this whole movement around emotional eating and bringing awareness to it, you are going to do great things. and. I just absolutely adore you. And I thank you so much for coming on. And I could see us doing another podcast in the future about more spiritual (laughs) ego type things, which I would love to do with you. Yes. No, I totally would love that. I always love talking with you. It's always a fun time. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. And we will chat soon. Thank you so much for coming to today's episode at the lounge. Make sure to connect with us on social media, leave some love in the reviews and subscribe to this podcast. Don't miss my next podcast with Dr. Amber Content. She's a naturopath and we talk all things birth control and I guarantee it's going to blow your mind. I will see you then.